Hey, everybody. This is Christine. And this is John. And tonight we're going to give you 10 more victims in our Texas Killing Fields saga. Is that it? Yeah. 10 more. Is this the final 10 or what's going on here? I'm, I've got another decade or so after this one. <laughs> okay. Well, for me, I am getting on a jet and heading back to Texas. And today we're going to talk about Texas native Alex Jones, who is just completely nuts. One of the biggest conspiracy theorists in contemporary America. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Good stuff. From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. All right. So I know this has been a really long story and I thank you all for bearing with me. I've got one more after this and then that's it. I promise. Make it an even five. Odd five. It's an odd five. five. Yeah, whatever. Make it five. I wanted to make it four. Put a little bow on it. But there's like a natural break in the story and you'll see when I get to it why it's a natural break. I probably should have made it a little bit longer last week, but I feel like the decades are like a good break for the story. Absolutely. I agree. I feel like if I kept going, I mean, you'll see with this story, if I had kept going with the story last week, we'd have been double the time because there's no place to stop here. You see what I'm saying? I do. And I don't think anyone's complaining. Real quick, I would like to say thank you to all the downloads. We don't do that enough on this show because we get right to it and we kind of have our standard closing. But thank you to everyone who listens and downloads. They seem to like it. So don't Uh, worry about it. They must be. So yes. And for all of those of you that are listening, thank you for continuing to come back each week. Please make sure you share everything that you love about the show. Give us some rates, give us some reviews. So yeah. we can get up there in the top and we can have our stories heard by more people. Yeah, and we are not complaining one bit, but no. a little peek behind the, the curtain. This is hard work doing all this research and whatever. So yes. share it and listen for God's sake, please. All right. So all right, last you. week, I told you that we were going to dive into the 80s this time. So we finished up the 70s. Now we're diving into the 80s, so I'm just going to get right into it. Get your cocaine ready, everybody. Here we go. Your your leg warmers and your boombox. It's time to go into the 80s. So November 1st of 1980, an unidentified nude girl thought to be between the ages of 14 and 22 was found by a truck driver dumped along the highway just outside of Huntsville. She had been strangled to death with pantyhose and her body was covered in human bite marks. Which is weird. Yeah. I, some people are into that, I guess. But um, yeah. this is a new device as well to use to tie them up. We had plastic right. cables. Yes. Something else I can't remember, but using pantyhose, that's a new one. Yeah. So this is something new. Though this body was actually found on the I-45 corridor. She wasn't found in the actual field that we've been talking about. But she was only found an hour and a half outside of the field, like where the field is. It still counts. You know what I mean? It's all good. Well, so because of the manner of her death, like we said, she's strangled just like the other girls, her age group, the fact that she's still within the limits of the area. So also remember the very first episode, which feels like 
decades ago, actually. Um, I told you, depending upon what story you were hearing, it could include up to 70 bodies and that it was like the general vicinity of this area. Anyway, the police are treating this one as if it were part of the group of killings they've been investigating so far because they feel like she could have gone missing. She's unidentified, so we don't know who she is. But They feel like because she was so close to the actual killing field that she could have come from that area. That makes sense. Yeah, I see. Okay. Then on October 10th, 1983, so a little cute little, what, eight-month-old me? Yeah. Toddling around. Way before you were into murder and death and all these right things you like to talk about now. I was not into true crime no. at eight months old. I'm sure my mother was. Yes, I'm sure a uh, recently, I don't even know, the postpartum yes. mom is listening to and watching, not listening, no podcast, but watching all the unsolved mysteries oh, while yeah. she's taking care of your crying self. I'm sure you were terrible, weren't you? I'm sure you're a no, bad I baby. Think, I think she said I was a really good baby, actually. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Yeah, I wasn't I there. I, was, I don't know. I think I was pretty easy. Anyway, 23-year-old Hyde Villarreal Phi hitched a ride into Houston to visit her boyfriend. She was last seen alive at a convenience store located off of West Main Street in Hobbs in League City. Her skull was found in the 3000 block of Calder Road. So remember, Calder Road is where the oil field is. Yeah, real quick. What's that name? What is this name? Hyde something? Hyde. Fi? Her name's Hyde. Hyde, like H-Y-D? It kind of looks like Heidi, but I, I looked it up to pronounce it. Oh, and okay. It's actually Hyde. It's H-E-I-D-E. Interesting name. I've never, yeah. I, and the last name is just Phi, huh? Phi. F-I-P-H-Y-E. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what nationality that is. Don't know. It seems kind of German, but yeah. I don't know about the five part. Yeah, interesting. I have no idea. Well, anyway, she's discovered because a dog carries her skull out of the fields and into a nearby house. Could you imagine your dog bringing you a gift of that nature? No. No. I can't. <laughs> We'd be freaking out. Praise God that that has never happened. I don't think our little pod dog here could even fit a skull in her mouth, not a human one. No. She's, she's a little she's girl. Tiny. This must have been a pretty big dog. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm sure this is really gross, but I'm sure if you grab like the nasal cavity. Yeah, and I guess there's nothing. Get a good, you good can get underneath hook it on as the well. Jaw, maybe. Yeah. Ugh. Can really just get your teeth <laughs> little, right in little there. Little morbid there. <laughs> little graphic, but hey, whatever. A little much. Yeah, so she's actually discovered that way, which is interesting. On October 26th of 1983, just a few weeks later, 14 year old Sandra Ramber was ripped from her home in Santa Fe, which is actually just 10 miles from League City. So League City is where the oil fields are, just so you're aware. Her father reported her missing when he came home to find that the door was unlocked to the home and there was food still cooking in the oven. The police immediately treated this as a missing person because her purse and coat were still in the home. She is still missing to this day. In July of 1984... 30-year-old Ellen Beeson. So 30 is a little outside of our age range that we've been dealing with so far. Remember I told you there's going to be a few outliers yeah, here that, and there. Yeah, this one's really far out, though. Well, it's not, I mean, it's not too far. It's still reasonably close. And granted, she could look a lot younger than 30. Yeah, I was going to say, my theory is that the really young ones probably looked and presented older. This one probably looks and presents younger. Right. Well, you're going to see why this one is different in just a moment. If they're all the same, that is. 
the same person. We right. still don't know this. Well, you're going to see in just a moment why this one's actually different. Okay. So again, like I said, she's 30 years old. Her name is Ellen Beeson. And she's actually last seen leaving a nightclub called the Texas City Moon. Sounds like a fun, jazzy time. And she's on the arm of a 31-year-old construction worker named Clyde Hedrick. Ellen's remains were found on the side of a dirt road in Galveston. Now, this murder seemed like it didn't fit the mold of the others that we've already talked about. She was a bit older than the norm. She was not found in water. She was kind of like just laying out in the open. But her murder would remain unsolved until 2013 when good old Clyde is charged and sentenced to 20 years in prison where he sits to this day and hopefully will never emerge a free man. So that's why hers is a little bit different. Yeah. So again, some of these seem like they fit a pattern of one particular person, but there's a couple in here that were actually solved. And this is just a collection of bodies found in this one area. If that makes sense. It does. I think we mentioned on a previous episode, you have the whole copycat thing. And if people are hearing that this is a body dumping grounds, they may try to go put theirs there to pass it off on, someone else exactly try to get away with it so you'll hear a couple of them in here that were actually solved that were particular people and some of them that just never have been that still seem to fit a pattern that could still be the same person Mm -hmm. so i just want to make that clear because i know it's weird to have like an actual solved case for once (laughs) yeah so then on september 10th of 1984 just a few months after that A 16-year-old Laura Miller never returns home from school. Her parents, Tim and Jan, panic and call the police like any parent, I believe, would when your kid doesn't return home from school. Although, I mean, she is 16, so yeah. Yeah, I think there's like that moment there where you start to try to rationalize it. We've seen that in that movie, The Lovely Bones. Yeah. She doesn't come home and they're like, well, she's in high school. Maybe she's out with a friend. It's a little odd. You try to reach out. The panic doesn't really set in until several hours or maybe the next day. Yeah. When you realize they absolutely would have been home by now. For me and everything I know about scary stuff, I'd panic immediately. Right. Well, and I mean, if, it, if are you talking about our kids in particular? Yes. Well, they don't have any reason to be not straight off the bus from school. Right. Right now. They don't have but clubs, I'm even. They don't have friends. Exactly. They don't drive. I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> even in the future, though, because right. of. Because of what I do, and like I said, I know how scary the world is, I would panic immediately. There's not going to be any of this. Right. I'd rather panic and be proven wrong when they say, I was just at a friend's house and my phone was dead. Than, True. Then let all this time pass where you're not trying to find them. I would. I could never live with myself. Yeah. Agreed. Laura was last seen at the same convenience store where Hyde was last seen a year earlier. She had been using a payphone to call her boyfriend. Tim is shocked when he finds out about Hyde's disappearance and how similar it was and urges police to search for their daughter in the killing fields, but they refuse. Why? Do you know? No, they just weren't seeing a correlation between the two, which is strange to me. It's the same situation and only a year earlier. If there's this many bodies in a place called the killing fields, that's the first place I look. It's actually not called the killing fields just yet. (laughs) That's all right. I I get it. I I was making a joke, but I'm sure that there's been press about all these bodies there yes i'd go look there first right crazy so on october 5th of 1985 17 year old michelle thomas is last seen going to meet with her friends and she lived just 10 miles and i realize i keep saying miles and we've got friends outside of the united states who use 
the metric system. So this is like 16 kilometers for those of you that don't know miles. That's very nice of you. But, you know, we're Americans and there's a little thing called Google. Right. But I I hate to do that. I like it when they give both so I can. Okay. Anyway. Good for you. So, yeah. So she's really close to the killing fields and she is actually still missing to this day. So remember, I just told you about Tim and Jan Miller. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, on February 4th of 1986, Jan Miller is reading a newspaper article about a decomposing body of a woman that was found in the oil fields. She rushed to the police department with her daughter, Laura's dental records and a few pieces of her clothing, and they were a match to the body. Laura's remains were found just 60 feet away. So that is not even a kilometer. That's meters, right? I don't even know how many meters. I don't know, but it's not a not it's even not a far. Kilometer. It's not far. I think it's like, yeah, not far at all. Um, from where Hyde's body was found. So she was like just a stone's throw away. Yeah. From where Hyde's body was found. Though it may seem like a lot of heartache could have been spared had they just searched the place to begin with. When Tim said, could you please just search here? They should have just done it. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine all the hours of them like waiting by the phone, trying to find out if their daughter was found. Right. All of those could have been saved. Yeah. And, you know, she probably would have still been dead. They probably wouldn't have been able to find her alive. But maybe there was evidence that they've lost. I mean, who knows? Well, it just starts that closure process right. earlier, you know? Right. There was a good thing that came out of it, though. Actually, two good things that came out of this. Because they had to search for Hyde and they found her and they found Laura, they decided to search the area even more and they found another unidentified woman. Okay, so that was kind of good. They found someone else's body. Yeah, yeah. It also led to the creation of a foundation called EquiSearch. And this is a nonprofit organization that was started by Tim, Laura's dad. And it's dedicated to finding missing missing persons. So they've been involved in over 1,300 cases. They've brought hundreds of people home to their families, been able to like bring closure to them. And Tim actually had a hand in solving the Casey Anthony case, which is really interesting as well. Wow. With that foundation? With that foundation. Cool. So that's kind of a good thing that came out of this. Yeah. The unidentified body would later be identified as that of Audrey Cook. She was a 30-year-old mechanic. She had just died six weeks prior to being found, and a small caliber gunshot was found in her back. The best part of this is that she was a Jane Doe until April of 2019. So they had found her body back then in the 80s, but she hadn't been identified until the April of 2019, this past April. I wonder what took so long. Well, they were able to use the genealogy testing. Oh, this is becoming like a really big deal in the true crime world. We're getting lots of things solved because of this. Cool. Which I love. We I should do an wait. episode on that. I know we should. That would be pretty cool. So they were able to use genealogy testing to identify her and another of our victims that I'm going to talk about later. In April of 1986, police recover a headless body inside of a garbage bag in a park in Galveston. That victim is still unidentified. On May 4th of 1986, just a month later, 19-year-old university student Shelly Sykes is last seen leaving her job as a waitress at a beachfront restaurant in Galveston. Her car was found the next day, stuck in deep mud and abandoned on the side of the road on an I-45 access road that's actually south of Galveston. The driver's side window was smashed and the car was blood spattered. 
though her kidnappers were caught. So this is another one of those that's solved. Thank goodness. Um, John Robert King and Gerald Peters Worst. It's a fun last name. Zorst. They're actually found to be uh, the culprits of this. And they actually drew them a map where they could find her body, but she has still never been found. The two were sentenced to 40 years in prison, which is the maximum charge you can get without a body, which I think is stupid. Although I guess if you can't prove it, you can't prove it. But yeah, I still think it's dumb. I'm putting together all these theories in my head. I'm, I'm still convinced that other people were just dumping bodies there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I also feel like there's quite a few of them that are so similar that they could at least be tied to the same person. You know what I'm saying? Like Hyde and Laura, they were found so close together. Yeah, of course. And they both came from that convenience store. Like that can't be a coincidence. If that was two different people, that is a heck of a coincidence. Yeah. I would never pretend to understand the mind of a murderer, but the, uh, using the same techniques, being close together, all those things would, unless this person's really good at, you know, I'm going to change it up with this one and I'm going to put this one over here. I'm going to do this one different just to throw people off the scent. I feel like there's not enough time and effort put into these things. Generally speaking, when you study these or hear about them, someone's got their way that they like to kill. They do that all the time. They put them in the same spot because they don't know any better. At the end of the day, they're not that smart. Right. Well, and there's also a theory that dumping grounds are somewhere familiar, whether it's a place they used to visit when they were a kid or Mm -hmm. a place they know well because they're there all the time or a place that they'll pass on their way to and from somewhere so that they'll constantly be reminded of what they did. Yeah, we saw that in that um, Netflix show with the guy and his family in Colorado. He took him to his work. Chris, oh my gosh. Or just outside of his work. Yeah, I don't remember his name. I know what his name is, but I can't think of it right now. But yes, he took him to where he works. Yeah. Right? So, dumpy grounds are often a place that killers are very familiar with. And you need to be in order to get in and get out and not be seen. You You need to know what's around the area and... All of that jazz. Well, so. I think I, I think everybody jokes, right? Everybody understands the mind of a killer a little bit. And, you know, we'll be driving through the desert or something on the way to Las Vegas and say, this would be a good place to put a dead body. Right. Joking, of course. But I think the killer actually goes and does that research and that homework. So you're right. They're familiar with it. Yes. They know the ins and outs of it. They know where the actual good place to put it would be. And then sometimes there's that psychological connection, like you said, where they want to be reminded of it every time they pass on the way to the market or whatever. Yes, exactly. On October 7th of 1988, 22-year-old Suzanne Renee Richardson is last seen at her job as a night clerk at the Casa del Mar condominiums at around 6 a.m. A witness claimed that he was woken up by a woman screaming and a car door slamming. Police came and investigated, found a lone shoe in the parking lot. She had also left behind her purse and her school books. She was never seen or heard from again. So after this body, this is now 10 victims tonight. I kind of threw them at you like rapid fire, right? Yeah. We're going to go on to the 1990s because the murders, they're not going to stop. Are they still going on? Do you know? I don't remember when the last one was. I believe in the in the late 90s. They're probably still discovering things as far as I know. Yeah. We're going to find out next week when I wrap up this whole thing. Crazy, crazy. It's going to be over. I'm going to be sad because I feel like I've been deep diving into this for such a long time. 
You have. We'll have to watch the movie after this. Bring it all together. I would really like to watch that. Yeah, let's do it. So this is just, it feels like a really good place to just pause. Because as you can see, like if I had continued my story from last week, there wasn't a spot to like stop there in the 80s. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like this is a good pausing spot. I know it's probably a really short segment, but. It depends Don't on wanna... who you ask. Some people like the long form. Some people like it a quick 15 minutes. Right. So I don't want to continue on because I don't want to. I mean, we'll be here for another hour. Yeah. If I continue and finish my story. So next week will be longer. But uh, yeah. So that was the 1980s. Maybe next week we'll change it up and I'll just shut up and we focus on closing out your thing. We'll see. And we'll just get it done. Yeah. What do you think? All right. Okay, well, tonight I want to talk about Alex Jones. Okay. I um, mentioned his name a few episodes ago, I believe, when we were talking about something in Texas. I can't remember. They're all running together now, but I did a conspiracy theory that was based in Texas. The um, Jade. Jade Helm. Yes. I mentioned him briefly because he had comments on it at the time. My source is Wikipedia. Of course. There's all kinds of things about this guy, all kinds of news articles or whatever, but this one was the most comprehensive. Hey, by the way, everybody donate to Wikipedia so we can keep the show going, please. Because, <laughs> yeah. Is that legit? I see that thing it pop is. up you and should, I, I don't you know if donate. they're scamming me or not. No. Yeah. It's oh. important. Okay. Well, maybe I will. Even like five bucks. Every little bit counts, you know? That's true. Keep the show going. Are you ready? I'm ready. Alex Jones is a far-right radio host and conspiracy theorist who some have called the most prolific conspiracy theorist in contemporary America. Wow. So, you know, I always like to tie in, how did we miss that? I never heard of this guy yeah, before I've never we heard did of him the either. show. Um, which I think speaks to our character, you and me. We're not weirdos. We're well, not- so when you say radio host, is this like a like an XM radio podcast, uh, on-air radio I'll get into that, but he was okay. on a syndicated radio show that oh. was in a few different markets, primarily in Austin, Texas, which so, okay. Obviously that's how we would California. miss that. <laughs> but I also like we don't listen to the Rush Limbaugh's, the far like the far right or left to Rush things. Limbaugh all the time. Oh boy. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we don't I don't listen to those things. I keep it right down the middle and just like to listen to funny things or whatever. Right. I Ever don't since anymore, I but started podcasting, now I listen to all kinds of crap and listen for technical sound quality <laughs> don't even enjoy the show anymore right his radio show was titled are you ready for this are you sitting down i'm sitting the alex jones show whoa super, that is really, super original name right really original like i said it was syndicated throughout the united states and online in addition to his show jones also publishes his content and theories to personal websites that are uh, called Infowars, one word news wars and prison planet Yeah, I just want to tell everybody right now, InfoWars and NewsWars, they're not a new Star Wars spinoff film on Disney+, Plus, so don't look for that. And Pizza Planet, greater than Prison Planet, I would say. Prison Planet. Is he trying to, I mean, is he talking about like the correctional facilities or is he talking about like we're all imprisoned on this planet? That's a great question. I did not go into his websites because those are are three other rabbit holes that would have made my segment like four hours this guy's got a lot of material out there and i'm kind of setting setting the stage for a future episode whether it's the next one or not i don't know about i really want to take a deep dive into the new world order right which we've mentioned a couple times a star wars thing it does all of this crap does it's just a little weird there who knows 
Jones has made headlines for promoting conspiracy theories about the 2012 Sandy Hook massacre, which we'll mention a little bit later, the Oklahoma City Federal Building bombing in 1995, which we will also mention a little bit later, 9-11, and falsifying details about the moon landing. He covers the whole gamut of everything. The moon landing, guys. Okay. He has claimed that several governments and big businesses have colluded to create a new world order. So that's this is like the biggest voice for this. And so that's why I'm kind of using this to paint the picture before right. we play in that plane Got in it. a couple episodes. He says that this new world order is manufacturing economic crises. They're using crises, 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 crises. They're using sophisticated technology and inside job terror attacks to exploit hysteria. So we already talked about, I think it was the first episode about 9-11 was an inside job. This is one of those big time contributors to that theory. So very quickly, his early life, he was born in Dallas, Texas in 1974. He's just a, a wee bit older than me. He moved to Austin in 1991 and briefly attended Austin Community College before dropping out. As a teenager, he read a book by a conspiracy theorist by the name of Gary Allen titled None Dare Call It Conspiracy. I'm going to have to look into that. That might be my next read. He said he has quoted that this book had a profound influence on him. And he said that it's the easiest to read primer on the New World Order. Hmm. So I don't know if I'll have time to read it before we cover that. But, you know, we, we hear this story about people all the time, right? They go to college. Maybe it's not a good fit. They drop out. They read right. some book. And now they're radicalized. Oh, yes. And, you know... He, he has gotten himself in trouble with the law, done some weird things, um, all because of reading that book, ultimately. <laughs> and he's from Texas, Texas, super right wing. It seems like, can, I, and I didn't know this before we started doing this show. I didn't realize so many conspiracy theories were far right. I thought it was kind oh. of balanced on both. Everything I've covered so far, everything that's happened this year around COVID and the election and everything else, all generated from the far Alt right, interesting. Very interesting. I did not know that. I thought the I thought the left wing, you know, nuts were just as involved, but apparently not. A little bit about his career. He began broadcasting in Austin, working on a live call-in public access television show. In 1996, he decided I'd rather do radio, and he switched to radio. And he had one notable guest in particular over and over again. Um, have you heard of Ron Paul? Yes. He was on the show several times while he was running for Congress. A little bit about Ron Paul, in case the listeners don't know. He's an author, physician, and retired politician. He served in various congressional districts in Texas. Super right-wing, super Republican. Yes. Kind of into the conspiracies a little bit. Um, He was very outspoken this past year, even though he's not serving in Congress anymore, about Dr. Fauci and all the coronavirus restrictions. And he started to get a little bit of traction with his comments because he was a physician. So people are like, right. you know, this guy's not just some whack job spreading theory like the rest of them. He has he makes some fair points as to why a mask might not be a good idea, vaccines, all that stuff, lockdown. Yes, so people right. started to really latch on to what he said. And then he kind of just went away. I heard about him for a couple months and then didn't hear from him again. A little strange there. Jones's first public conspiracy theory rambling started after the Oklahoma City bombing, like I mentioned, in 1995, where he publicly accused the federal government of causing the bombing and subsequently released a film based on that claim in 1998 called America Destroyed by Design. That would be interesting. Like, what would the motive be for them to do that? That's always been my question about 9-11. I don't... 
I don't get it. Like he, what I mentioned earlier is he says that these inside job terror attacks cause like mass hysteria, which I guess would get people to then if you then as a government enacted all these policies and changes, people would buy into it a little more because they're scared. Right. I and and nine eleven was able to do that. And that makes sense to me. Maybe we were really having a hard time with the Middle East and we needed people to back us on going there in a war. So let's make them a scapegoat for something. Like, I get that. That makes sense. But what would the Oklahoma City, like, I don't know. I don't know. That's a weird one. And I've heard a couple different theories around Oklahoma City. And it's funny because it's very clear. I can't remember the bomber's name now. Who was he? Isn't Uh, it Timothy McVeigh? Yes. He he had like a beef with the federal government over some owed money or something. He was like a sovereign citizen. There's proof out there. He admitted why he did it. Right. But yet people still latch on to these. Well, because people will just say you're making him say it. There's a reason why he's saying it or whatever. I know. But what I really want to get into as this show progresses is the the mental state behind these theorists. Right. And what's making them, despite all the all the facts right in your face, why yeah. you still latch on to this weird belief. Like you can't be convinced no matter what proof there is. Well, I it's get crazy. a crazy person making a point for 9-11. Like I totally get that, but I don't see what would be the out, like what's the benefit to Oklahoma City? Yeah, like, I don't know. There's no benefit to the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I'm <laughs> with you, believe really me. really hated Timothy McVeigh. I mean, I don't know. Believe but. me, I, I am with you. Also in 1998, Jones, I keep wanting to say Jones, that's weird. (laughs) Because that's us. Jones organized a successful campaign to build a new Branch Davidian church as a memorial to those that died in in the 1993 fire as a result of the government siege in Waco, the whole David Koresh thing. Yes. He often discussed the project on his shows and proclaimed that the cult followers were peaceful and were wrongfully murdered by the government. Like you do, right? Right. Right. Of course they were peaceful. That's why the uh, ATF had to come in and light things on fire and have a gunfight because they're peaceful. <laughs> yes. Wow. In the same year, Jones was removed from a George W. Bush rally in Texas after he interrupted good old George's speech and began making demands to abolish some sections of government. Oh, so I he's think I remember that. Further going down this path of becoming more and more, I, I like to say radicalized. I mean, he's not right. yes. committing any a- acts of terror or anything, but he's getting a little more outlandish as time goes. In 1999, Jones was finally fired from his radio station because the station management disagreed with his outlandish views on local and federal government and began having trouble selling advertising, which is pretty much all radio stations do. Yeah, that's livelihood. Jones quickly commented the day after he was fired and made it very public that his removal was purely political and was pushed through by Bill Clinton. Oh, that makes sense. So I'm trying to paint a picture here, and I hope I'm succeeding that this guy's a little batshit. Just a little. Who was the... Oh my gosh, now I don't even remember. I've done so many cases. That serial killer who said he was in cahoots with Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Oh, yeah. I, um, uh, I can't remember. Okay. We'll, have to, we'll have to look it up. Um, so what does one do when they get fired from radio broadcasting? Find a new job and move on with your life? Yes, but naturally they start a <laughs> podcast. Oh... I mean, okay. we didn't get fired from anything, but we were kind of, well, we kind of out of did. work at I the mean, time, yeah. so we started a podcast. Sort of did. Like you do. So he started bringing his show and his ideals to the internet, like we all do with podcasting. And I believe he currently has some podcasts out there, but I don't know what they're called. After getting fired is also when he started InfoWars, which is a conspiracy-based far-right fake news website. The site Wait, draws- when you, Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. 
when you say fake news, is it like the onion where they're like making news? It's totally fake. Or are they like, I don't think it's satirical. I think he's putting stuff out. That's like, it's his idealistic twist on it. And so it's like, if you and I normal sane people were to read it, we're like, that's not no way. But he's putting out like news, for example, like, oh, the government caused Oklahoma City bombing. So it's, it's fake. It's not real. I just wanted to make sure. (laughs) I know fake news has taken on this whole persona now, thanks to Donald Trump. (laughs) Who knows what it is. The site, are you ready for this? Are you sitting down? I'm still sitting. If only we could, if only we could be so lucky. His site draws roughly 10 million visitors per month. Oh my God. That makes its reach greater than some mainstream media outlets, such as Newsweek. Like these, a legit magazine. So I'm going to sound like a podcaster. Are these, what's the word I'm looking for? Bots? No. Um, um, individual yeah, users? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are these like individual users or people that like are going on it every day, several times a day? I don't know. I mean, with these online platforms, even with podcasting, depending on who your host service is, you always run that risk that some of them are just right. computer generated clicks. But still, I mean, who cares? 10 million if he's trying to sell advertising for himself, that statistic will get it done. Ten million a month? Yeah. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of people. In twenty fourteen, during a court proceeding, Jones reported that he has made good thing you're still sitting down, twenty million dollars in revenue from the site. Wow. Just in that one year in twenty fourteen. I'm not sure if that's true. Um, however, I mean it didn't say but that that's his claim and his other claims are a little <laughs> left of center as they say so not sure if uh, that's accurate but that's what he said infowars was banned from facebook for violating policies against harassment and hate speech however jones quickly launched two other sites the ones i mentioned earlier news wars and prison planet to get around that ban here's an interesting little twist as i start to wrap this up because there's just so much information on this and like i said the the this is more of a primer for the new world order and i'm sure he'll come up in that he has consumer products. Really? That's how he's made that, some hats? of that. No, it's oh. better than that, believe it or not. That's how he's made some of that money, that $20 million revenue stream. He created and sells a variety of dietary supplements, toothpaste, and other items <laughs> that make outlandish claims of health and wellness. Wow. What are these dietary supplements? Have I taken them? <laughs> N- no, they, they were in quotes called brain pills. Oh, no, I don't so, have no, brain. You've I definitely have taken definitely brain pills. Definitely not taken if we could get our hands on some, I'd like to try some for myself. Sure. I feel like I could use them. Yeah. During the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, Jones was issued a cease and desist letter from New York State regarding a claim he made that his toothpaste and other supplements that contain colloidal silver Ew. were an effective treatment against the virus. These claims, of course, were absent of any medical testing yeah. or proof. Sure. It's just a money grab for him. But I remember hearing about this I and don't. not knowing him, but hearing about this, I missed these, that. these supplements. And when I first heard it, I'm like, what? Like, of course. You, everything in the beginning was like, oh, you know, vitamin D, which actually that was proven to work. Hydroxychloroquine and all this crap was coming out like, you know, snake venom and whatever works against COVID. This was one of those snake oil things. It sounds things. like those people from the like old days that would sell you the elixir to like yeah. grow your hair or whatever. <laughs> and it's just a bottle of piss. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Cough syrup. So in closing, I just want to run down six more things that he's known oh, for. Okay. Um, and they're just bullet points and then we'll, we'll close this one out. A nice, uh, nice shorty for everybody. I like it. As you can guess, like I mentioned, he endorsed Trump in 2016 and 2020, and he's even claimed that they speak regularly. 
I've never heard Trump come out and support this individual like he did with QAnon and other things where he publicly said, right. these are great people, whatever. I never heard Trump mention Alex Jones, but I could have missed that. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Alex Jones believes in weather weapons. He believes that the presidents, all presidents, have various weapons of severe weather, such as manufactured hurricanes and tornadoes. And Halle Berry. That they can... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that they can be that can be deployed at will to destroy certain parts of the country. Oh, great! That's a recurring theme with these conspiracy people. They think that the Did government's deploy, out to like, destroy our own people. Apparently, that's what he thinks. He says that Hurricane Irma was manufactured by Trump because that's a thing to destroy parts of the country. We can just manufacture hurricanes. All I'm saying is if I'm president or any part of government, destroying destroy my own, own people country, and property right? can't look good on no. you. I don't understand this no, way of bad. thinking. No. All right. Number three on the six bullet point closing list, white genocide. He believes that the kneeling of the NFL players in support of Black Lives Matter is actually supporting a white genocide in America because that's happening. Have you seen <laughs> that? There's a gif of Britney Spears where she's like. She's obviously on some sort of talent show and she's got like a microphone in front of her face and she's making that weird like, what face? Yeah, yeah. That's what's playing in my head right <laughs> yes, now. same. The whole time I was researching this, same thing. Yeah. He, of course, believes in vaccine conspiracy. That's an easy mm. grab for any of these nutbags. Yeah. Climate change. He believes it's a hoax made up by the World Bank to control the economy. Okay. Okay. And this is the one that kind of pisses me off a little bit. School shootings. Jones has said publicly that shootings such as Sandy Hook and the Stoneham Douglas one in Florida from a couple years ago were carried out by gun control advocates as a false flag operation. And he even claim, claims that no one really died in either of those shootings. So I'm sure the parents have something to say about that. Yes. Like I, I think some of them have filed that suits against him. But this, this makes me upset. Yeah. Especially the Sandy Hook one. Like, don't talk about the little there kids. They were little babies. That was those a massacre. Were, that was gross. babies. It's pretty obvious that people actually died. Right. I'm not a fan of this knucklehead, that David Hogg kid from uh, Stoneham Douglas. He s claims that he is a crisis actor paid for by the government to try to control guns. I don't know. That guy was a little over the top with his comments and, and things. So I could see where that's an easy grab as well. But come on, man, leave the shootings alone. Those ones, yeah, we, we, we have pictures from the scene of dead kids. Like, come on. Yeah, that's a bit much. So that's Alex Jones. He's had uh, okay. multiple run-ins with the law, a couple cease and desist orders, things I'm like sure. that. But he is still uh, still going strong. He was uh, involved in that pizza shop thing, Pizzagate, that I mentioned in the first couple episodes, where there's a pizza restaurant that is actually a sex trafficking ring run right. by Hillary yes. Clinton. Yes. He was involved in that and also got uh, involved in some entanglements with the law regarding his involvement with that. Oh, so not Jada Pinkett. No, not that entanglement. Okay. No. Yeah, that's my story. That's Alex Jones. If you uh, come across him in Texas, I would walk the other direction. Okay. Nutbag. Sounds like it. All right. Next week or the week after, we'll get into the New World Order finally. And that might be a multiple parter as well because it sounds pretty deep. Right. All right. Well, if you would like any information about these cases, please make sure to follow us on social media at How Did We Miss That? And I would like to give a shout out to our theme composition from Audio Anywhere Productions. You can find them at audioanywhereproductions.com. Until next week, keep your head up and look out for each other. <laughs>